to emulate or not to emulate. What do you guys think? Hello and welcome to Triangle Square Day PlayStation Podcast. I'm your host, Brett, back and alongside me, Mr. Saul Bridges, bringing you lucky episode 72. Getting up there. Getting up there indeed. Getting up there indeed. Uh, let's see. Tell them <sighs> who we are. Saul, we are, as I continue to learn these new things, we are Triangle Square PlayStation Podcast, like we said, and you can find us in video format uh, on YouTube every Monday at 12... <clears throat> PM CST 10 AM PST I did it backwards, but that's okay. Uh, it's still the correct information. Uh, if you follow us on YouTube or found this on YouTube, consider giving us a subscribe. It lets you see when our videos come out at least once a week, every episode of this. And then we have extra stuff like when Saul does his Saul play series and then other things that we are, you know, still have cooking in the plans, like our bonus episodes and stuff. Um, but consider going down there and we like to hear from you down in the comments below about what you think on every video this video in particular we're going to be covering uh, emulation and some of the stuff that's going down with it if you want to listen to us on audio format you can always find us on uh, google play music all of the podcast services i always mention that one because no one else does everybody wants to talk about itunes well i will say though if you find us on itunes consider giving us a review helps people find us and it lets us know what we are doing right what we're doing wrong i actually haven't checked those in a while so i'm gonna go do that since i uh, keep spouting that off uh, i've just been busy hadn't thought about it lately yeah we are also on Patreon. If you want to support the show, you can go over there and give us a dollar, three dollars, or five dollars. For one dollar, you get to just support us. Three dollars and above, you get a chance to win one of our cool custom cases that we make. And Mr. Saul is uh, venturing nope. into. <clears throat> You've already posted it on the Twitter, okay, boy. Okay, yeah, I guess you're true. He's venturing into. You will see more about what he's making. Um, Probably on Friday next week. We will, we will see, but he's, uh, he's venturing off into that. So if you've not seen our custom cases, go check them out. Uh, you can get a chance to win one of those every month. Uh, all of our patrons at the $3 $5 tier do that. And then also, one thing that we're going to do for the first time with this video, because of Patreon being up in that way, the $3 and above tier get their name put on the patrons uh, list at the very end of the episodes before we go to the complete outro. So if you want to look around for that, spot your name if you support us. We really appreciate it. It uh, does a lot for us, helps us keep doing this without having to dig too too terribly far into our own pockets which is great we appreciate you guys yeah thank you um so yes what have you been playing this week and what have you uh what are you going to be playing when we get to, we'll, we'll cover that when we get to the drop how about that so oh, okay, what have you been sure. playing this week so a lot of dead sales a lot of dead sales probably 30 hours i would think i would estimate uh but it's been fantastic uh if you haven't played dead sales i highly recommend you uh go play it um you can now read the updated review on IGN, since we all know what happened this week with that. Did um, they post the updated? Yeah, it's 9.5 instead of 9.7, which was somewhat odd, but I understand it. Different person, different uh, different review. But uh, yeah, Dead Cells a lot. Non-plagiarized? <laughs> yeah, yeah, non, it's a non, non-plagiarized. And these are my words, not, a, not somebody else's. But other than Dead Cells, a, a game of Rocket League here and there. But other than that, really it. Really it. Uh... Can't, I can't really think of much more, but Dead Cells has had a lot of my time, and it's going to have a lot more time today, too. Oh, man. Yeah, that's all I've done, too. So No Man's Sky is still in my rotation, still fun, doing, having fun with that, getting closer to that platinum, very close to it currently. So I have a couple more things i got to nail down, and then I've been playing. Uh, yeah, Dead Cells is like, oh, man. It is so good. Oh, we didn't mention you can find us on Discord, so if you want to come have a conversation with all of us, uh, About you can Dead hear Cells. some of this stuff in, uh, in more real time, but... Uh, 
Yeah, it's so good. I've been talking about it on Discord with everybody a lot, but the game is just so freaking fun. It's you know, I, and I'm all I'm not always a fan of um, of of roguelikes, mainly because you know the roguelike has to have a really good pool of giving you a sense. A, it's gonna be fun, right? It's just gotta be good, fun, moment to moment gameplay. But it's also gotta do enough to give you that sense of like after every run, you do feel like you really did earn something that's gonna or worked towards at least earning something that's gonna eventually help you in a in a yeah you know a, a good six, progression system with the game and yeah that's future definitely definitely what dead cells has is a good progression system. last night is the closest i've gotten to running through every boss in one run i was only one boss short how many bosses is there four from what i can tell oh, okay wow so that means that there's been a couple of times now where i've gotten to the halfway point in the game didn't even realize it oh yeah uh timekeeper and concierge yeah yeah there's uh the the king is if i'm fairly positive the final boss that's the only one i haven't fought gotcha um and that area I got to last night was crazy, but and these aren't really spoilers for those that are concerned. This game doesn't really have a story. There it doesn't have a story in the traditional rooms. sense. Yeah, yeah, it's it's kind of like what uh, Saul compared it to earlier, which was a uh, pretty good. Is that it has like a very bloodborne esque thing. There's rooms you can find that have like little tidbits of information that you can find written down. You can find bodies and like notes from hanging bodies and stuff, and like king's orders and stuff like that, where it goes through. Uh, it's a pretty interesting setup for that in particular. I mean, I, I like the way that they go about doing that because it's like, okay, there is a bit of a story. There's something going on, uh, but we're just not trying to beat you over the head with it because in this particular game, it's one of those instances of the gameplay being just king. I will say I think a story story, like a, a real campaign, I would have totally balled through. You know, I would have lucked at, but there is really something fun specifically about running through, trying to get as far as you can, sometimes as quick as you can. And then hoping what and, new and, combinations of items you'll get. Yeah. And yeah, it's really good. And, you know, re-rolling for your, for your forges and stuff as you keep going through, and you can uh, reforge uh, your item as a plus item or give it, you know, different uh, attributes because they have that. That's something else that's cool. I like that there's random things you can get. Like you, you have a sword that can shoot an arrow out in front of you or shoot or like, you know, cast an arrow above at a 45 degree angle, which again helps the way that you play. If you've never played a roguelike and you have even the slightest bit of interest in Dead Cells, I think it is probably, of all the roguelikes I've played and enjoyed, is the best example of one that can get you in early. The gameplay is very fast uh, and very fun. It can be a little slower. But still, I mean, overall, it's a really fun game. So I, me and Saul have just been, you know, harping on it all week, just how much we love it. So it's uh, there's a great sense of speed in that game too, in which you, if you, if you feel like you are, oh, um, and wait too, like you know, because yeah. that's the one thing I talked about not liking the heavy weapons as much as you do. But I will say that I actually thought that the the heavy weapons have a good sense of weight behind them. I just don't. I prefer to be nimble, whereas you mentioned that you like to be heavy in comparison, right? No, no, no. I like I like the great sword or the ultra sword or whatever it's called, the claymore. I like that a lot, but I like how fast I can actually go through the game because my favorite combination is the daggers, uh, the oh. twin daggers. That the third hit's always a crit. Yes, the yeah. twin daggers are very good. Yeah, that's that's by far my favorite. The balance blade's good. The assassin's blade is okay. Uh, it depends on how you play, though. It's really a game that has a little bit of something for everything. And how you um, feel like you want to play, because every, every playthrough can be different. Yeah, and you know what? I'm going to go ahead. This isn't going to be counted as reader mail, but we were already kind of talking about Dead Cells, because I knew we were going to talk about it so much. Uh, Dan, Mr. Dan, um, I'm not going to, he's on Twitter, whatever. Dan Al has read. May have said that wrong. Apologize if I did. He said he missed reader mail, but this doesn't matter. I'm just going to go ahead and throw it in here because I like it. Uh, he says that he hoped that we discussed Dead Cells. And I was like, trust me, it's all we've been playing, so it's going to get discussed. Uh, but he's particularly saying that it's blown him away and that it's a tri- he said a trilogy of sprite-based action platformers in three weeks. Chasm, uh, Dead Cells, and Death's Gambit. I'd be interested in which speaks to you more. Uh, I'm going to come back to which speaks to me more 
after I get a little bit more in. So I was excited for Chasm, like a lot excited for Chasm. Um, and but I was, and then Dead Cells came up, and there's things about Dead Cells art style that I was like, okay, I'm gonna hop into this a little more, and and it didn't hurt that No Man's Sky was really just zapping away my time. But I bought Chasm with the intent of playing it. Dead Cells came out. I, w- I got weirdly hyped on it more. I started it, and I was like, oh, I can't play both of these side by side. So I'm going to play Dead Cells uh, probably at least until Death's Gambit comes out, and I'll probably continue to play more if it's still fun and I've got more to do. We'll see. I've been playing only it, so we'll see how far I go there. Uh, but Death's Gambit looks amazing to me, and it does have a more traditional campaign. Um, and I like that idea. It's it's almost more like what I want from a side-scroller, Souls-like game to an extent than even Salt and Sanctuary, even though I did like Salt and Sanctuary. Yeah, Salt and Sanctuary I liked a lot. It's just the, the character models look real goofy. Like, yeah, something I mean, about them. It, they're unique. I'll give them that. It's yes. a very, you, you yeah. see it, but also the, the sprite uh, art for Death Gambit looks amazing. It does. Uh, but going back, so right now i got to play Chasm. I still have it, but I do have it on Vita. Uh, and that might be, it depends. If I can play both of them, I can maybe do it by playing Chasm only on my Vita at night before I go to bed. And because it's the Vita, it'll automatically feel different than when I'm playing Dead Cells on PS4. I will see if I can kind of pull that off. Uh, but I'll get back with you after Death Gambit for sure and see if I can throw in some Chasm and see which one specifically speaks to me more after playing it uh from an initial standpoint dead cells always kind of once they actually finally showed it off it just looks so fun that it spoke to me in a gameplay stance so i think i'm going to stick with that one for the time being but death's gambit looks really good um I'm only disappointed by the fact that none of these games are on Vita besides Chasm. I wish that Dead Cells would have been on Vita. Uh, I'm a little jealous of the people's playing it on Switch, but I want them sweet, sweet trophies. So, Dude, I'm telling you, I I, I, ha- I got it on Switch. Like it's gonna happen, and it's gonna be great. So, are you? What's going on with Switch? Are you playing on Switch currently, no. or are you no, playing, playing on, on PS4, PS4 until you just get? To I'm the probably gonna buy it on Switch. Oh, you? Oh, I thought you said you did already. No, I said okay. this is gonna be the first time I think I'll ever buy a game twice or whatever. Okay, I can see so, that. Roll through it and then just have something fun to play. Because, dude, I actually say this on a flight or something like that. Dead Cells would be awesome, dude. Just sitting there like watching TV and like or Netflix or whatever, and then playing Dead Cells is gonna be cool. But, I feel like uh, I need to focus on a little more than that. But I don't know. We'll we'll see because Death's Gambit looks awesome. So I'm really hoping that as much as Dead Cells has surprised me, that Death's Gambit ends up doing the same thing for me. Um, but I will get back to you on that. Yeah, we both will. Yeah, I, I'll, uh, I probably won't play Chasm, honestly. Um, with I can see you skipping over that. But at least if nothing else, we can see where we both think. Cause are you going to pick up Death's Gambit? For sure, yeah. Okay. That's, so what I was going to we'll, we'll, say is that between uh, Divinity and Death's Gambit at this month and Spider-Man uh, next month and Red Dead the month after that with Call of Duty and all that other stuff, it's going to be rough. I got you. Uh, I got you. But uh, speaking of Death Gambit, we have the drop. And uh, for those that don't know, the drop is this week's current releases. All these will drop down on Tuesday, or less otherwise stated. And uh, Death Gambit, of course, first one on the list for PS4. I will say that if you are the least interested in this game, there is a streamer that goes by the name of Lobos Jr. L O B O S Jr. J R. A uh, really cool guy. Really good Dark Souls streamer. He he plays Dark Souls, uh, the series from Dark Souls and Bloodborne, and he always runs mods on all the Dark Souls games he plays on PC to make it an interesting take. And uh, he did a, a developer commentary while he played the game on Twitch, and then developers watched him and uh, talked to him on Discord or Skype while he did it. And it was really good, and it offers some uh, good insight into the game. Next up, we have Detective Gallo for PS4. Which does it almost look like Darkwing Duck. Like, it kind of does. Something about the way the art piece right there is trying to look like is funny to me. Yeah, and I'm trying to figure out what... I don't know. They're like bacon, but a plant at the same time. Maybe. Doggone Goffin for PS4. Doggone? Doggone Goffin, yeah. Tongue twister there. Domino Craft for PSVR. 
Guns, cor- or man, what is going on with me today? Guns, Gore, and Cannoli, too. Oh, man. How did I PS4. miss the first Guns, Gore, and Cannoli? That's, that's a name right a there. It's a masterpiece. I love it. We have Hero Defense for PS4. That's out on uh, the 16th of this month. We have Persian Knights, Sands of Wonders for PS4. That's out the 17th of this Why month. Why does that look like it's trying to be Prince of Persia? I thought the same Text. thing. Yeah. Uh, we have Phantom Doctrine for PS4. State of Mind for PS4, out the 15th. Super Knight Riders for PS4. Terra Tech for PS4. Treadnoughts for PS4, out the 17th as well. Okay. Vroom Kaboom for PS4. <laughs> Is it car combat? Something like that. So, Good name. Uh, who knows? Wailing Heights for PS4. And the last one on the list, we have The Walking Dead, the final season for PS4. Interesting that these are all digital this week. We have no retail releases, and we have no Vita releases. Which the final season is just the first episode of the final season, right? I would assume so. Yeah, because I don't think I've seen any other episodes. So I'm fairly positive that's right. Yeah, it doesn't say episode one specifically. Well, I mean, cause, so day one, the same thing. Because scroll up, does it say digital only? Yeah. yeah. Huh. That's interesting. So it doesn't say episode one. It doesn't mention it in the description either. So that is weird. I'm not sure then because I don't, I don't play the – I mean, I, I like the Telltale games all right. I still think that there's a lot they need to do, but um, eh, we'll see. We'll see. But, Brett, why don't you hop into the weekly news? The weekly news is a little interesting this time around, but let's roll through it. Uh, so QuakeCon happened this week, as most of you know. I'm sure that you all have seen uh, some of the stuff that we're about to cover. But uh, let's see. Fallout 76 is uh, gotten a slew of new information, so it looks like uh, they've talked about, and really this is pretty in-depth, so if you want to check it out, I didn't want to put it all on here and go through it. If Fallout 76 is interesting to you, or if any of these things sound interesting to you and you've been on the fence, go check out this uh, this po- these posts that they have. Basically, it's Todd Howard, everything that he went into detail on, but it covers things like how PvP specifically works. Uh, like It'll be something that uh, the player who's getting attacked can choose not to engage in, and if they choose not to engage and run away, they can still be killed. But if they get killed, they don't lose anything uh, because they did not engage back. And if they die, uh, the person who killed them becomes wanted on the map, becomes a red star, and becomes an event for all other players to see. And he has a bounty on his head, and the bounty on his head comes from his own money, which is cool. I like that system. And it also, I mean, so people who really just want to test their skill could just go grief just to grief because it's like, oh, well, now it's an extra thing for me to see how long I can survive. Exactly, yeah. Now it's me versus the world. Yeah, which is, and I also think it's just a good way to try and keep some people from griefing who would otherwise do it if there was no repercussion. Right. Uh, He talked about the, the death penalty and the way that will work. So when you die... Uh, you will only lose junk, and junk is the same in four. It's it's only stuff that goes towards building uh, and helping you upgrade items. So it's still important. It goes whenever you die. It falls on the map, uh, and other players can pick it up, but if you get there before them, you can pick it back up. Uh, and as far as respawning goes, you can respawn on uh, any, um, any point you want that's, uh, like, I think it's... I don't know if it was bases or what, or you can choose to restart at the Fallout 76 uh, shelter, uh, or you can pay to go somewhere else, but it costs different depending on how far you are from it. Okay, makes sense. Interesting thing. Uh, And then they also go a little bit into the way that VATS will work in real time. Uh, The one thing that I gleamed off of that that was interesting to me is that to begin with, you will not be able to select the body parts. Yeah, that's... But you will be able to eventually. Right. It's just something you have to build towards. So uh, he says that 80% of the game is the Fallout players know and love, while the other 20% is all new. I actually had a conversation with someone at work the other day. That said, or actually, no, it, was, it wasn't it was even work. It was Joe. Joe's the one who said that if you looked at it, 
if you like Fallout, then you're not going to like 76. I don't quite believe that, but at the same time, I don't know if this 80 20 is as, as honest either. It's probably more like 60 40. Right. Because this is going a quite a different way with Fallout. Um, yeah, yeah I, I think that just of what they have shown us so far uh, with QuakeCon, that that's, that's not that, unless this game is literally massive, that's, that's way more than 20% that's changed. Yeah. I mean, and, and, well, it depends on what they mean by all new, right? Because the other 20%, like, are they calling the 20% that's new also? I are, think they mean are mechanically. They, yeah, that's what I think, too. Or even mechanically slash content to an extent. Because, you know, the way the way content or the way content will be given to you. Yeah, so uh, but, it's weird. But uh, on this next article we have here, let's, uh, at the end, we'll actually do one of our reader mail questions. One we normally say for reader mail, but it fits it so well since... Uh, it's it's about what he what we're that's cool because actually we have another one that's going back in the dead cells and i'm going to work that in as well Oh, okay <laughs> um but anyway uh so yeah we'll do it after this one but doom eternal was also shown in depth at quake con uh revealing a grappling hook on the shotgun which i'm not gonna lie it looks pretty awesome yeah it did uh a refined but similar fast-paced gunplay for those of you who were wondering about that, uh, which, you know, is not that different from what we're seeing from, like, Rage 2. Uh, and even more demons. They promise there's going to be about twice the amount of demons per area, which is pretty crazy, but I guess that makes sense with where do you go on a game that's about killing demons where you kill more demons. Um, but the game will apparently allow players to take control. This is really interesting. To take control of a demon and invade other players' campaigns in a rather Dark Souls-style move. Yeah, that, uh, that, that, that sounds just amazing. What a weird idea for a first-person shooter, too, but really cool. And I wonder how it's going to work out because I don't know if you remember this in Dead Cells. I mean, Dead Cells. In Dead Space, um, I actually like the basic idea of multiplayer in Dead Space, too. It's just it wasn't implemented well. But it was like, kind of like uh, maybe even what you'd consider Dead by Daylight where there were groups of survivors who were like, all Isaac Clark looking, but you know, engineers or whatever. Uh, and then there, the rest of the people played basically it was like team deathmatch against, uh, one team being the necromorphs and having special powers, but no weapons, but they, yeah. could, and that was cool. I like that idea. So if it, it's kind of like that, even though that was still third person, but the ability to take over what the enemy would be and go into someone's world and see how it's actually going to work. Um, sounds interesting. It does. And, I assume that being a demon will be in first person, but it'd be even crazier if it was in third. I don't know how that would... It's possible. Yeah, it's going to be weird for sure. I'm gonna. I'm looking forward to it, though. Yeah, I want to see more about that, uh, but it's a cool move. Uh, the one thing that actually did disappoint me, but we'll see if it's, they're going to go into further detail about it, but the game will be dropping Snap Map, which was the, the first game's level editor system that they had that allowed players to create and uh, publish uh, their own user-generated content. That's going to be kind of a sad thing. They said that they're doing this or dropping it in favor of uh, actual DLC and post-game like launch content. I much preferred the idea of the snap map thing because I don't know if you remember, but one of the first games that ever got modded before mods were even really a thing is Doom. Yeah. And one of the things about Doom is that people have forever just made their own Doom levels and played through it. So Doom has this like history, this long-running history of just letting people or not even letting, but just being designed in a way that people can go in and make their own stuff and kind of just endlessly play it by doing what they want. Now, I know some people were kind of frustrated by Snap Map because it wasn't as in-depth as they were hoping it would be. I was hoping that instead of dropping it, they were going to double down on it and really expand it to be what people wanted. That still may be what they're doing, but they're, they're not calling it Snap Map anymore. I have to just kind of wait and see more. The way that they said it makes me believe that we won't have it at all, but I really think that'd be a... I'm not going to say a misstep. It would just be a disappointment. Right. Because uh, I did play a couple of the Snap Map levels, and I thought they were kind of cool. Well, uh, we have Mr. Noble6 on Twitter. He wants to know what our thoughts are on the game. I think it looks fine. I still need to go and finish the first one. I still have it downloaded on my PS4. Uh, but I think it looks... It looks fine. Like, it looks good. 
Like it looks like what I would expect the second Dune to look like with some new cool stuff in it too. So I definitely will be picking this up. Yeah, I think it looks great. Um, the first Doom has got a cool story, even though it's buried in a bunch of stuff. But I actually kind of like that setup where you're going around and you're looking at computer files and stuff. Uh, and finding those was always really cool. The way that the game actually played, I loved. One of my favorite things, I talk about Doom all the time, and I, I think it's pretty evident that it'll be in this one again, is the rhythm at which Doom wants you to play it. So you want to fall into a rhythm of like... and and. You can go even more if you just really know what you're doing and depending on how you want to play. But there's like a there's a rotation you're going to go through. So it's like you'll shoot this guy so that you can get this type of ammo. You'll melee this guy so you can refill the ammo that you shot this guy with. And then you'll chainsaw the next one to get like a different energy thing. I love that idea of having a real reason to do each one to fill different things back up. Right. I think it's a cool system. And seeing it come back in this one, it was just the, the gunplay is really fun and smooth in that game. Um, if they find a way to still keep the story somewhere mixed between giving you some of it up front while also letting you find some of it, I think that'd be cool. Uh, but man, one thing I noticed, but they, they've confirmed that they were running on a really high end PC in the gameplay. I'm, you watched, right? Yeah. Dude, the draw distance was insane. It was. Yeah. And I'm a little, like when like, he walked when, on the elevator scene, when he saw all the way across yes. the space station, how clear it was. That's, I, that's impressive. Now don't, don't get me wrong. I knew that I was like, I know that deep down in my head right now that this is not running on a PS4 Pro or even Xbox One X, but I, I really mean, wish I'll, I'll it would probably, have been. I'll probably end up playing it on PC even just because of how well the first Doom is on PC. And, of course... Uh, well, I'll give it to both of them. They're, they're 60 frames per second across the board minimum. You know what I mean? Right, yeah. So, yeah. And that's kind of think, almost a, re- a requirement. That's why I think it's so weird to put Doom on Switch when it, and when Switch can't hit that 60 frames per second. You remember how much work did it they not hit it? the sixty frames? No. Oh, I thought it yeah, did. Yeah, no, they had to. No, they had to drop it down to thirty on Switch, and that was because of the fact that the Switch, you know, your your processor is what makes when you're rolling through. Which I mean, definitely the way they do stuff is a little different anyway. But you know, specifically the power of your processor is what determines how many frames you can use. And when you're using a mobile processor, for sure, you're not going to hit sixty and keep any form of the. Of even well, it's, a pro- it's your processor and the uh, your RAM too. Don't forget about RAM. Yeah, I mean to an extent. What was that? Discord. Discord. Yeah, ah, I got you. Um, I think it looks good though, and I'm waiting to see. I will probably still buy it day one, like I did the first game. Uh, but we'll see because there's a lot. Of, it depends on when it's coming out because we still didn't get a release date, uh, which is probably smart because I don't think it comes out until next year. Which I mean, why give you a release date now if you don't need to? Uh, but why show it? considering that Bethesda's been doing this thing. I don't know why Bethesda only gives it to Fallout, but the treatment of, well, we're going to show you the game and then release it in a matter of months. Now, I know that their E3 had a mixture of things where they were trying to show a bunch and feel like they had enough to later talk about. I'm not sure, but I wish to an extent that they would have done the same thing with Doom Eternal. They could have just announced it at QuakeCon, but they were trying to make their E3 baller, so I get it. Uh, let's see, next up, Saw. You may like this. I don't know if you have a pre-ordered, but Divinity Original Sin 2's entire first act is now available for PS4 players who have pre-ordered the game. The estimated amount of content is 20 to 30 hours, and that progress will carry over to the full release when it drops on August 31st. Uh, Sand Coffin, they are. I know that he was getting two dates for some reason. I don't know what was going on with that, but that's a Friday release, which is also interesting. Yeah, that's for a, a game fr- like a Divinity. Friday, I think I have off, too. So it is, yeah. So that's so going to be even better. Did, did you pre-order digital? Because I know no, you're because I hate, a digital person. I hate the way pre-order digital works, just because I'm so accustomed to how everybody else works. And that's uh, payoff, payoff. Like, I, I mean, I, I don't want to like buy it all. I don't even know how much it is. I don't know if it's forty or sixty. I would assume sixty, but it could be forty. Um, but yeah, I just I would rather um, like maybe now that I know this, I'll go pre-order it specifically because 
I'm going to buy it regardless of the price, if it's 40 or 60 The first, I, I would say that the first the first chapter could be a little bit longer than 30 hours, depending on if you how quickly you figure things out. I think, yeah, I think it's also a depend. I think that if you really, really kind of get a, a good grasp of what you're doing and roll through without exploring a lot, you could probably get through quicker, but I don't nope, know. Because no, I didn't play the first Divinity, even though I like the idea. Divinity 2 has no quest markers. You literally, like, if somebody tells you to go talk to this person, you have to go find them. It's like it's like what I heard people describe Morrowind as in some points where there's no quest markers in Morrowind. Given I didn't like Morrowind, so I didn't play much of that to know. Shame. Um, but, yeah. <laughs> but, like, yeah, it's it's kind of rough in terms of, like, what you have to do. And the first chapter, you get, uh, you get put on this island that's a prison. And to get off that island, uh, there's a couple different ways from what I remember. But there is one way. I had to look it up. Because I was like, I've talked to every single NPC in this village, and I oh, cannot I figure out what to do. Because you've played this on PC already. Yeah, you just yeah. want to play it again probably, on PS4? Yeah, like 60 to 70 hours in on PC, and I'm, I'm like midway through chapter, or act two. Why the, why the I mean, I, more, this is more of a curiosity trophies. thing for me. Just because of trophies? Just because of trophies, yeah. I'm I didn't know if because they adapted the way that the game plays with the controller on I like. Consoles. I actually like the mouse and keyboard better. Uh, I like the click and the Jonathan click and loved the first game, and he always he said he liked the way that the, the, they adapted the controls to work with the controller. Yeah, and so. see that's what, that's what I'm curious to to have and play because I'm also curious to how it's going to run because even on my PC, which is a little bit stronger than a PS4 Pro, um, I, I still get dips every now and then. So I'm curious about the performance more than anything. Yeah, it makes me wonder if that's because of optimization because you know they are a smaller studio, but Divinity One did really well for them. Oh yeah, dude. So, no, dude. I always tell people it's literally like you're playing Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, I see. All right, let's see. PlayStation announced they have sold 525.3 million PS systems worldwide, which is pretty crazy. Uh, and a lot of this, they have announced a new highly limited edition PS4 Pro system, though not as highly limited edition as the 20th anniversary edition, but similar to that 20th anniversary edition. Um, that they did earlier this gen, the system will include a metal plate that shows what number out of the 50,000 units that they're making you have, which is a cool thing. Uh, if you remember, the 20th anniversary edition was limited to uh, like somewhere around 12,800 or something like that, maybe even 13,000, uh, but it was very limited. So f- I know some people are a little freaked out like this is not enough, but I promise you this is going to be so much better than trying to be one of the only people to get th- one uh, a console that only has 13,000 units. Uh, so still going to be tough. So good luck for all those who want it. But the system will have a two terabyte hard drive out of the box, which is a nice touch, a deep translucent blue with copper detailing on the PS logo on the top of the system and on the PS4 logo on the front uh, top cap part, uh, a matching translucent controller and a deep blue PS camera to boot. The system will be available for order at different retailer websites that they have not completely gone into detail of. I'm hoping we get that Monday. They say to click through to the website and it shows which ones are participating, but that information is not there yet. Um, and will be available on August 24th for a price of $4.99. Um, they didn't really say whether that's a pre-order or that you're already buying it. I think that you're just buying it and it'll get shipped to you, but we'll see. I've, after much consideration, determined that I'm going to try and get one, and if I do get one, I'm just going to sell my Monster Hunter World Pro. Dude, it, may, it makes no sense because for that thing to be that loud during No Man's Sky with as new as it is. It's not even about that. For me, it's just that I was like, look, I've got the 20th anniversary edition. It would feel so wholesome. For me to also to have, have, yeah, to have the the, the pro that has that because you know I'm holding out for that one million or one million one hundred million version one hundred uh, I guess it'd be I mean what, a billion yeah one billion that's a that's a wild way buddy I will right, we'll get there. we'll get there one day five hundred twenty five point three million consoles sold in the twenty what three or four years they've been alive 
is pretty insane, really. Um, and you consider how much gaming has grown. It's a real good hit of like how big gaming has really come, but also how big they were with uh, PS2 because that's a big reason those numbers are up that high. Uh, Saul, this is interesting, and I'm curious what you think about it. EA's VP of Strategic Growth recently stated in an interview that the company has created a moral, a quote, moral compass, end quote, that is designed for future live services to be designed and tested in ways that will help the company remain, quote, pillars of fairness, value, and fun, end quote. Good for them. We'll see how it actually works. Now, I will say this. You, we already... This, this, this comes off the heels of Battlefront 2. Uh, so everybody knows what happened with Battlefront 2. The big fiasco they had there, they ended up pulling them completely from Battlefront 2 uh, microtransactions uh, because they were paid to win and they got a lot of flack for them. Then they ended up reintroducing them months, I mean like six months later, as just... Co- uh, what was it? Just uh, co- cosmetic items? Right. They've introduced them back. Um, but basically, they really had to do a 180 on that. But... We already see the the effects of this moral compass. I would imagine is a, this has been in place for a little while because you already see the effect that they got on there bleeding into the way they're handling Anthem. They are being very clear with Anthem that there will be absolutely no pay to win. They have not come out and said there won't be any loot boxes, but if so, I imagine there'll be like uh, Fortnite loot boxes where they're just um, a box of cosmetics. Right. Uh, and then you see Battlefield Five, which is going even harder, and they're purporting it to be. Uh, they, we already know that they've done away with their season pass thing and that everything moving forward in the game will just be free. An interesting move. Um, definitely because it's DICE. It's the same developer, which is even more like, okay, yeah, they're trying to do something here. Uh, but also the fact that um, Battlefield Five will not have any loot boxes at all. So it, it sounds like there's still going to be microtransactions, but you'll know exactly what you're getting up front on Battlefield. That's interesting. Um, but I don't know. I thought that you'd, cause you... Because you're going to... well. You got Battlefield 1, didn't you? Yeah, and I'm, I might get Battlefield uh, 5. 5. Okay. I didn't know where you stood on it. I mean, I know that we both kind of are on the... We're, we're willing to give Anthem a chance. Well, it depends. I think... I keep seeing stuff that uh, the, the Black Ops 4 beta, open beta, is this weekend. Uh, this current weekend. Uh, you guys listening, I'm not talking about next weekend. I'm talking about the weekend that just happened. And uh, for whatever reason, Sony's story right now is acting weird, so I can't get to it. It's like even on the app, if I try to bring this uh, the store up on their app, it's just it. Uh, is that what you were kind of looking frustrated about a second? Oh, now? dude, it's making it's making me so mad. It's like why is it pulling up the the full website store within the app? It just doesn't make sense right now. And then if you go to their website and if you go to uh, betas, it says this is not a thing. Like it says I'm in the wrong spot for something. It's just it's just not working. And now it's working. They have two up right now. So that's I don't, so weird. Yep, I don't know uh, what's going on with that in terms of. What I, what I keep seeing online, it still may be part of the closed beta. We have to pre-order. Um, Maybe. S- screw and that. And you have to get an actual uh, code to use. That might be the situation. Okay, so Child of Light 2 may have been teased, and this was shown in great detail by Mr. Liam. He zoomed in on it, and then I zoomed in even more because I wanted to. Child of Light 2 may have been teased in a recent screenshot showing off Child of Light running on the Nintendo Switch. The background features what looks to be a paper packet, almost like a presentation packet, or like a uh, like a script though, I mean, I guess it could be a script, uh, but it says Child of Light 2, just big right there, centered on the paper, uh, and it's back in the back with a little bit of focus. It's got some blur on it. Not like they did it on purpose, but they made it to where the focus is on that so that you can kind of see that. Right. People were quick to see it and go kind of crazy on it. We'll see. Child of Light 1 was a good game. It's very cool. I hope the Child of Light 2 is smart enough to include a platinum this time around, uh, but that's just for my own selfish wants. I was like, don't forget, that's a Sony chooses, right? Uh, yeah, but man... But, you know, it's, it's, and people, I mean, different podcasts and different people have talked about it a lot. There's no rhyme or reason for any of that. I think it really is whether, how much they're willing to push for it. Because if a game like My Name is Mayo can get a platinum, 
I know that but child of light you're can get a the developers though. I think it's well, Sony though that, that well, says No, don't be wrong. Sony needs to Sony needs to stop this purported and nobody ever knows. It's just this weird thing, but you know, the rumor is that it's hard for it's hard to get a platinum from Sony, but apparently it's not because if you push on them hard enough, they still give you one. That makes sense, and that's what it should be. And I, I just think that the blame isn't on the developers as much. I mean, it's it's a mixture, right? The developers should have pushed harder for a platinum, uh, and I think that they will because they got a lot of backlash. Oh, not a lot, but they got a, at least a vocal enough backlash that they go, oh, there are people that will buy the game because like there are people that will be more likely to buy the game day one just because we listen to them about putting trophies or a platinum trophy in, and that's a thing. That's a, I mean, to be fair. I'm one of those people. Hmm. Like, I, I'm more willing to give a game a chance if I'm like, well, there's a platinum, even if I don't like it, you know, or you know, if I buy it, I'm buying it with the chance of loving it and getting a platinum out of it. If I don't like it, oh well. You're right. You know, that's one of those weird things. Or sometimes it's one of those things where I don't love it, but it's not that bad of an experience, and I spent my money on it already, so I'm going to go ahead and play it and get this easy platinum just because stuff like that. Um, personal. I know you've kind of been off of the the platinum grind a bit. Yeah. Uh, what was the last? Game you platinum Hellblade? I think so. It's been a long time. It's been almost a year. Yeah, I want to say Hellblade was the last one. Anyway, God of War's long requested and kind of rumored new game plus feature is finally coming on August twenty. So that's about four months after the game release. That's not bad. Uh, I'm hoping. I think they've shown it off. I didn't get to go back and look. I'm hoping they've done some stuff to make it where you're not just literally rolling through the game again. I am curious as to how they're going to handle one particular element. Um, and if you've played the game, you know what it is, uh, and whether or not you'll start with it or not. That's just, uh, who knows? Uh, no man's sky received another update, fixing a large number of bugs and rebalancing some of the items and materials in the game. Sadly, this is also kind of, uh, messing up what I was doing to make money in the game, which are the whispering eggs outside of abandoned buildings. They've cut down on the number of them there. So, You'll still probably be able to make a couple million in a short run, but they I, I don't know what made them prompt to do it. They must have either just seen that people were making too much money and that was easily a way of doing it. But um oh well. So if you don't if you want to run that a little bit more and uh take advantage of those and you've not yet updated, you may want to just play a little bit of single player by yourself, make a bunch of money and then update. Uh um, Destiny two is the last platinum I got. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Uh No Man's Sky, let's see. Next thing up is uh Coolers. Cooler has finally been officially announced for Dragon Ball Fighters, and this is after he was leaked around the when the game uh, launched. I don't know if you remember seeing that, but we hadn't heard anything solid about it since. But now there is a new trailer showcasing him in action, and it came at the end of their 2018 uh, Evo trailer that they put out. I still uh, need to buy that game. Oh, it's fun. I mean, I bought it. I played it as much as I wanted to. And I traded it in. Yeah, that's what I do with fighting games. They're not games for me to keep. I, I just say, play them, roll through the story, and, and move if on. If I was to try to get good at a fighting game that's not Smash, it would be that one. It's fun. And to be fair, I actually kind of wish I didn't trade it in just because I do want to smash down as Cooler. Like the the gameplay looks really fun from him. So well, um, Cooler's my boy. A bit disappointingly, Darksiders 3 developer Gunfire Games says that the game will focus more on gameplay than story. I'm a little confused by this, and they don't go too much into depth. No, don't get me wrong. It's an action game, so there's always been a slightly higher focus on the gameplay than the story. But the story's always been there, and if they really, I mean, it probably still is. It's I, just, well, that's they're, right. It's, they're probably just stating that with the amount of cinematic style games we got lately. Maybe it's 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 an interesting thing to say though, because the people who are most excited for this are people who are longtime fans of Darksiders, and it sounds like you're trying to tell them that this is going to be different than the other two Darksiders in terms of the amount. No, of story. no, it's an action adventure game, so we'll you're going to get action. We'll see. Now, there will be there will be story. But there's a lot of story that people want, 
that they're but that right now they're worried this game will or will well, not touch. I've, I've heard people going it. into it thinking of God of War. Don't do that. You're just going to set yourself up for oh failure. yeah. Don't go into it with God of War the most recent ones expectations like expectations. If you just want to do some like God of War three story expectations, you probably be all right. You know, I mean not, maybe not the grandiose scale, but um, still uh, Bethesda. This is gonna be the last thing on here. Uh, was wrapped up in a controversy. Oh, actually, there's no, one got, other we, thing. We got one more that we're gonna lead in the main topic. With. Yep. Uh, but Bethesda was wrapped up in controversy for a little bit after it appeared that they were trying to wrangle in the sale of games from their original purchasers. Bethesda's lawyers had sent a notice to an Amazon seller who was selling a sealed copy of The Evil Within 2 as new. The lawyers state that the game would not be covered under the first sale doctrine that usually covers the sale of used books and media. Uh, And when asked for a statement, Bethesda had this to say. Bethesda does not and will not block the sale of pre-owned games. The issue in this case is that the seller offered a pre-owned game as new on the Amazon marketplace. We do not allow non-authorized resellers to represent what they sell as new new because we can't verify that the game has not been opened and repackaged. This is how we help protect buyers from fraud and ensure our customers always receive authentic new product with all enclosed materials and warranty intact. Uh, In this case, if the game had been listed as pre-owned, this would not have been an issue. Prior to that, yeah, in quote, prior to that, there was a lot of speculation as to what was going on because it seemed like Bethesda. That was our almost main topic. Yeah. Uh, when it first happened, it, it was kind of like, and Bethesda didn't have a, a quick response, nor did the lawyers. It seemed like they were kind of trying to come down on the used game market. They had a number that they sent the guy to call about it, and it seemed like they were going to be kind of doing a sweep on it. And I was, initially, I was like, ballsy move. Very ballsy move. They are a big company. They have a lot of big name uh, games get away with a lot that of they'll stuff. get away with. But I think some of their games wouldn't have fared as well if they were trying to do this. Um, well, you heard about their their this this got like talked about either today or late late last night about their card game that's coming out soon. They said that they will not feature it on a console that does not allow crossplay. Which, their card game, yeah, it's it's. I don't remember what it was. I don't think it's the Elder Scrolls Legends. I don't think it's Legends. Um. But, yeah, it's, they're basically calling – that's another person kind of calling Sony out about that because they said they're not going to put it on a system that doesn't allow crossplay. And Oh, it is It is on Legends. It is Legends, I mean. Yeah, that sounds right. Only wants Elder Scrolls Legends on consoles with crossplay. So, and, and if you know anything about Bethesda and Sony, they haven't had a great past um, – there's a lot of stuff going on with them on Skyrim when it launched on PS3 because of the performance. There was stuff with them going on on with Skyrim when it came back out as, uh, what was that called? The special edition. Special edition, yeah, yeah where you couldn't use uh, external assets because Sony doesn't like the use of external assets on mods. They only want to be able to use internal well, assets. Well, and actually, to be fair, initially Sony was was saying no mods. And that's they still, were, that's even worse. They, yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying. And they were able to work it out to where there would be mods, but the mods required the use of existing assets yeah. in the game. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that that's the greatest thing of Sony, but at least they compromised yeah. in that particular I mean, situation. Yeah. Now, here's the thing. That particular situation was probably more of a back-end, like we don't want someone to figure out a way to exploit our console by putting these external right. assets that's, on here. That's, or, that's still a cop-out. That, or, that doesn't make any sense. I think the other side of that may be that what if what if a kid who plays Skyrim downloads a mod where all the assets are in there are like tits and ass, that's not and, their, and you just have a wall that looks like titties. And uh, don't get me wrong. That's not their fault. That's the parents' fault who bought an M-rated game for their kid. That's well, not something sure. Sony should worry sure, about. Sure, but what? Okay, I mean, but even then, what if it's somebody who's, who's nope. 
No, ever since they said for the kids is the reason they can they not going to crossplay. They're not going to get away. with Yeah, that. for for Minecraft specifically. Now, right. To be fair, no. this was before Minecraft at that particular I know, state. I know this uh, is not something. But there are a lot of things that could have been said. You know, at the no. time they may have been thinking, well, what if there's some weirdly? And but, I, I don't mean this in an offensive way. But what enough, if there are people that are that are hardcore Christian that don't want to see this even as adults? You're probably and like, not Whoa. playing this as a. You're not probably playing a werewolf simulator. If you're well, that. I don't know. Big Seth played it. Yeah, that's true. But and then again, it. then again, mods are often a tucked off section you wouldn't see unless you went looking for them. Hard to say. Either so, way, I, I'm with you. And they, so Sony and Bethesda have butted heads a lot this generation. Yeah. It's interesting that Bethesda wants to take a stand because realistically, a free to play game like that really needs the bigger install base. Or actually, I'm not going to say the bigger install. It needs the biggest install base it can get, which it does by coming out on as many consoles as possible. And it's already on phones. You know, put it onto Xbox One, put it on the Switch, put it on everything you can. Uh, yeah. Because, and, and, but realistically speaking, you're going to get the majority of your sales. If you, if you release on PlayStation 4, you're going to get the majority of your money off of PlayStation 4 by a numbers game. It yeah. should work out that way. It's interesting that they would do that. But here's what I would say of Sony. If Sony, because look, I, all the mod thing, there, I don't, I can't even see a side of, that is really, really important of like, okay, I just don't quite get why they're not letting mods happen, but they finally did let mods happen in a way. But this one crossplay, I, I do get their stance and they basically come out and said it. Uh, as, that's my favorite thing about what Sean said is that they're listening and they're hearing the feedback. And that's, they're, that, there's nothing, there's nothing you could favorite out of that sentence. That's just, that's well, the typical PR a, statement. Yeah, but what the PR statement did prove is that the reason behind it was business motivated, which we already knew, Right. but they never, they never illicitly said so but what they said at the end of that statement from sean is that they're listening they hear the complaints and, that's, and that's it <laughs> they are they hear they're, they're hearing the feedback and that they are they're um what is it they said that they're positive that they can come up with a solution no, that is better for happy. the customers and for them as a yeah. business and that goes to show you that there is a real a, like a reason that you can look at and go i understand this reason that if I was Sony, just to try and play hardball, I don't know if you even could pull it off. But what if Sony could get in touch with uh, Activision Blizzard, right, and say, "Look, guys, we want to pay for you to completely port Hearthstone <laughs> over to PlayStation that would Four. Be, that would be hilarious, dude. That would be a baller move on Sony's part, just in terms of a response, right? Just be like, fine, we don't want your your lesser card game anyway. We'll take the best selling card game that there is right now. Yeah, that would be that would be hilarious. That would be a baller move. I." Not that it's going to happen, but if so, if Bethesda wants to play this hardball game and Sony had the ability, they could go back hardball too and be like, "Look, if y'all going to be assholes about it, we're going to do something." I'm, well, I'm surprised that uh, it won't Hearth, happen that way. But... Not on PS4 already. Yeah, I'm a little too. But at the same time, I mean, I think that the way the game's set up maybe works best for a phone. But I don't know because phone and PCs. Yeah, even then. Um, Unless they're doing something crazy, Elder Scrolls Legends really looks like it's better fit for a touchscreen uh, or a mouse and keyboard setup. Yeah. So I don't know. I guess you can do. You know, I think about it. You know, the Yu-Gi-Oh games from Game Boy days where you rolled through. Yeah, they could do it. They could that, make it well, work on a console. Games on console. That's what I'm saying. You could do it. It would be different, but I think that. Yeah, who knows? I just think it's going to be interesting. At least it's turn based. They don't got to worry about how much time it takes if, if somebody's playing on PC versus me on PS4. You know what I mean? But yeah. I think that that's what Sony, well, Sony should do. They I'm don't have the ability to control that. But. I'm fairly sure Hearthstone has a timer for how long you can take it, a it, turn. I mean, to an extent, it does. It has, like, I think it's 60 seconds. Isn't it yeah, like a little, little rope up there that's on fire, like yeah. a fuse? Yeah, yeah. But, you know, you could adjust that for crossplay. Yeah, possibly. Uh, where you give, like, an extra 15 seconds or something to go. Next up, though, we have Reader Mail, for those that don't know. 
If you follow us over there at Triangle SQRD on the Twitter or our Facebook page, Triangle Squared, a PlayStation podcast, you can ask us a question each week when we post up a tweet or a post on Facebook. And it's a group, to and be fair. It's a closed I don't group. Have, but I don't have Facebook. So so I don't he doesn't know that. But anyway, if you want to find us on Facebook, yeah, it's, uh, it's a closed group, Triangle Squared, a PlayStation podcast. Just uh, request entry in one of us, either either me, not Saul, but either me, Josh, or... Uh, any of the other people that are on. I think it's me, Josh, and Blake are the only people that have the ability to uh, approve people, but I have a notification to my phone, so just send it on over and, and join into the conversation. I'll have a Facebook, so you won't see me on there, but I will be active on Twitter. And um, each Wednesday and Friday, we put up a read about tweet where you can ask us a question and we'll respond to three of them on the show. And then all the ones we don't respond to get put into a read about episode that comes the very first Friday of every month. Uh, with that being said, we did answer our good boy Noble Six's question during the Doom uh, Eternal talk. So we're going to go ahead and go over with Richard Rivero wants to know, what are your guys' favorite PSP memories? And Josh uh, responds to that saying, if Crisis Core doesn't come up, you're lying. And that's exactly oh, true. Crisis so Core, true. Crisis Core is my base, is my favorite memory there. I, I want to say, because he says memories, so there's a couple. I want to say the PSP, my favorite memory is tied actually to the system itself. It's not even tied to a game. Uh and it's so it's a weird thing, and my mom knows I've done this. Uh, I asked for it for Christmas, and I basically got told I was getting it for Christmas. So I knew she had it, and I looked around in the house for it, and I couldn't find it. So I was like, okay, it's got to be in her car. So Christmas or you know Christmas Eve, I don't know what it was. I guess because in my mind I didn't believe she really got it for me. So I was like, I don't, I just, I don't believe because that was the first time I'd ever gotten a new console ever. Uh, I, and I, I don't mean new in the sense of like. It, when it came out, because it was still about eight months after it launched, um, but it was the first time I'd ever gotten a new in-a-box console that wasn't used. So I, I, I took my mom's keys and I went out to the car, and you know, internet was different back then. It was round, but that wasn't the way you got information. So you know, I was looking at pictures in a magazine that were, you know, you couldn't quite see it well enough. But I was like, oh, this is cool looking. But when I opened that box, so I opened the trunk, I found it, I opened it, I just pulled the system out, held it. And I was like awestruck because I was like, dude, this is beautiful. It's weighty. It feels good. And don't get me wrong. I love my Game Boy SP. The PSP just craps all over the, the uh, how it feels as a console. Definitely the original PSP, the fat PSP, was so thick and weighty and it felt premium. And I was like, oh, my God. And having that 480p but widescreen setup, I was like, this is incredible. And I remember that, that followed through. I put it back up. I put it back in the box. And I just went and I went to sleep. And when I woke up, my mom had it on the tree and everything. I opened it up. First game I popped in, Elder Scrolls, um, uh, Elder Scrolls, uh, Untold Legends, Brotherhood of the Blade. Um, and dude, A, I love those types of games. And playing that on the system and it looking as good as it did at the time and playing as well as it did, I was like, this is incredible. Yeah, well, my first PSP game was Rengoku. Oh. <laughs> not, a, not a good game. Not a good game. I, I got the sequel too. Not a good game either. Why would you get the sequel if you didn't like the first one? Because as, well, as a kid, or as I was younger, I thought that maybe they fixed everything I, I thought was a problem. Nope. I, I see. I thought you were going to tell me, though, that like she gave you the present early. Because that made me think of a memory of when I was younger. No, I did get my PS3 early, though, because she knew she couldn't hide it from me. And I'd already told her at that point that I did go sneak out and do that. And I told her about me taking the Kingdom Hearts game out and playing it on the Game Boy. Tell you, I was a bad kid when it came to. I, I was not patient at all. See, with like, presents. well, we wouldn't. Yeah, I was similar, but like never that bad. Yeah, she gave uh, me my PS3 a week early. Well, our parents, they are uh, they. Uh, they always put our Christmas presents under the tree like uh, like three weeks before Christmas, and then they would slowly add stuff in uh, behind them and stuff. Uh, but this was the the year that the DS, the original DS, came out, and I'll never forget it. Like. My friend Adam, he had come over, and we were playing Super Mario 64, Super Mario DS. It's whatever, Super Mario 64 on the DS. 
and I remember like telling my mom how much I wanted Super Mario and then the silver one and then Seth wanted um I forgot what Seth wanted. He got he got something like a racing game or something and then the blue one and uh, it's we we opened parents at my, at my mom's house on Eve and then on um my dad's house during Christmas morning. So two days before Christmas Eve, I'll never forget it. She like we me and Seth begged her enough to let us open one gift and she always puts um, our presents in bigger boxes than what they belonged in, so you couldn't guess what they were, yeah. or you couldn't like go there classic and feel move. them. Yeah, yeah classic. And move. she gave me one that was about, I don't know, it's kind of hard to explain. If you get like a sandwich or um, like wings at Domino's, it comes in this weird oblong box. It's like that, but a little bit bigger. And I remember opening up, and of course she let us pick, and then she would say yes or no. She apparently didn't remember what it was because I opened up Super Mario 3D. <laughs> I didn't have a DS, or I said 3D Super Mario DS. I didn't have a DS. So I was like, well, I now know she got me the DS, but now I can't play the stupid game. So I had to wait two more days to actually play the game. So What Seth opened? I forgot what Seth opened. Oh, uh, I remember what it was. Um, I don't remember what they're called. Uh, they're like these robots that um, had like wheels, and they would move forward and backwards, and like they were like battle bots. Bat- is battle bots? Is that what yeah. they're called? Yeah. yeah okay. Then. I think so. Yeah, he, he opened sounds... a big old battle bot up. That's cool. But, That's a good um, one. Uh, anyways, yeah, so... Uh, crisis score for me for sure and then um, crisis score is in there and god of war playing the first god of war and i was like again ps2 quality graphics was insane i think i, th- I really i really think that's the best that's my favorite one because there's a lot of good ones but that's my favorite what, crisis yeah core? crisis yeah score. no crisis score is amazing um or playing coincidentally enough for this episode uh crystal version on the psp so, okay yeah actually yeah I'm, I'm gonna be real with you there too playing playing emulated what was it, games, it called was it soul crystal or clear crystal is something weird, but it was like it was a Game Boy. It was a mod of Fire Red that was crystal. What was it called? I had it. It, it was, was on the. It, it was on the modded PSP I had. Yeah, it was the one that Seth gave you because I'm the one who told him about it. Yeah, he gave it to me for birthday after he yeah. had it for a year. Uh, I can't remember what it was called. Well, we'll, but it we'll, was a really cool one. We'll come back to it since we have one more question left. Liquid on crystal. No, that wasn't I, it. I, I swear to you, that I, was I what it was called. I don't think so. We could do a quick Google search real quick and figure it out because yeah, PSP was great, man. Uh, I still have one, just chilling. I don't ever play it, but oh, I mean, maybe I it was that, the first thing that popped up was Liquid Crystal ROM. Yeah, that's it. That is it. Yeah, yeah. that's that's the intro screen for it. Cool. Uh, but Sean, Mister No Fade over on Twitter wants to know what game and genre would you now say is the most popular? Is it still FPS or something else? That's a that's a really hard question to answer. I I because I read that when he sent it in, and I really I tried going my gut right. What really feels like it's taken over, and I think it's hard to say. I think it has to be like it's it's mo- it's most certainly battle royale. Well, you got well, yeah, but battle royale can go in a bunch of different ways, right? Because battle royale can be a first person and stuff like that. But I'm well, with you. You are yeah, right. I would say whatever Fortnite is. It's the so genre. it's third so new though. Shooter. I was gonna say third person shooter as a whole. Yes, yeah. I think if you want to narrow it more down, there's always well, sales and what's popular that way. But that's one game, right? I think if you want to look at it. If, I lo- like what I'm looking at is, is if I go to Twitch and I see what's popular. If I think of the if I think of the biggest possible tournament you can have with the most money outcome is this game, and that would be Fortnite. Yeah, and if not Fortnite, League of Legends, um, Hearthstone, all these other games. There are other so ones, and they, they go a bunch of different ways. But I kind of look at it as like what's the which ones being uh, seen the most, right? Because at the time when the first person shooter on the turn of the 360 generation became the most dominant. Like it was the most popular genre. It was it was also the most popular genre because almost every game that was coming out was a first person shooter, right? Every developer had a exclusive, or every um, every system had an exclusive first person shooter they were trying to put out at the time. And when you look at it like that, I think that 
if you try and look at what's most popular right now, I think third person action adventure is the most yeah common genre. Even if, maybe so, maybe not popular in the traditional sense, but I think it's the it's the genre that's chosen the most when choosing what kind of game to develop because you see it with like uncharted you see it with horizon you see it with the order you see it with uh zelda i mean realistically it's a I mean, what would you consider zelda third person action adventure yeah uh breath of the wild specifically uh is what i mean i mean i, I would consider all of them that because there's rpg elements in them, i'm sure but um but they are more about the adventure aspects yeah so I mean, that's why I think I would say third-person action adventure. So I think for the, the thumbnail, since we were talking about it, I think I'm literally going to grab a, P- a PNG of a PSP, and I'm going to literally put the home screen for Pokemon Crystal on there, since that's something uh, <laughs> that, that sounds fun. Whatever. We'll, right. well, we'll I'm going gonna, gonna to sneak one more question in here, because it's like the second half of Dan's question, and I did tell him that we hadn't recorded, so he had time to sneak one in there. And it's continuing on about the Dead Cells thing. So he says, do you think Dead Cells already being a PC success will cannibalize Chasm and Death's Gambit, or is it just a great time to be a fan of the genre? I bought Chasm for Vita, yeah, Dead Cells, and have pre-ordered Death's Gambit. I'm very happy with the timing. Thoughts? It's definitely, um, it's definitely how good the genre is doing right now. Because Dead Cells, I think Dead Cells is going to be more successful than Chasm for sure. And I think that Death Gambit will be as well. Um, I think Death Gambit has a lot going for it in terms of its fan base and potential fan base. And Dead Cells, like you already said, is already a, a, a PC success. It's been, it just left uh, Early Access when it came out for this, but it's been out for a year beforehand. Yeah. And it was so interesting. All the characters, like the timekeeper had a different name. The yeah. concierge was called the unfinished one or something like that. It's something, incomplete one. Yeah. I was going to say something real weird. I think it's cool it that now. they did that. Like every, the names are it, different. It kept it new when it came out. Yeah. When it left Early Access, it kept it, it kept it new, which was really cool. Well, but, I also think that the names were all kind of partially like the incomplete one. Like the game's incomplete. doesn't matter what we name it right now, you no, it's just it's a yeah, that's, actually though the concierge doesn't really make a lot of sense though like yeah. are we on top of a hotel <laughs> well, have you, did you ever you, think of that like what his name I mean, was but do you know but you know what a concierge is supposed to do. i mean there's i mean I, I get it but they're more than just that it is i know i, I think know. it's that they know where everything's it's going a, in the it's sense. a silly name it yeah. is a weird name though I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that one but i think that yeah the 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 genre is doing fantastic right now and i want to take that outside of just because uh, i mean earlier in the one he mentions that they're all uh sprite based uh, well yeah sprite based is the thing but right now metroidvanias are just doing amazing like you know not even just sprite based i mean you look at them well and, and that that is something like the, uh, the term Metroidvania is something that is like, if it's tagged as your game, it's it's like almost always going to sell at least well. Like, well, because like you know, you can look it's at done good you can look at Dead Cells, well. but Dead Cells does have a lot of design elements of going back through a section once you get different things, and now you well, can go further in different directions. It I does would, so in a slightly different way because it has roguelike on top of it, so you don't go backwards to it, but you come back to it in a new play, uh, yeah, that's and you have I, new runes that you can the, get to new areas. Well, I sometimes disagree with the name Metroidvania because this game is nothing like Metroid at all. I mean, as, apart from finding random power-ups, which is what you do in pretty much Castlevania anyways, this is more of a Castlevania. That's what I said yesterday. Well, yeah, it's a and perfect just Castlevania use, game. Yeah, I mean, to an extent, I think that th- there's a mixture of things, but you basically use Metroidvania because both of the games have very similar setups. Right. It's just normally it's just depends this game on fits so well into the Castlevania genre that you wanted to say it's so. Castlevania. Yeah. But yeah, still, I mean, going into that genre type, you know, not only do we have those three games coming out in basically a month's time, that's not even accounting for the fact that Guacamelee two is coming out. Yeah. Another Metroidvania that I'm going to just squash all over. I think that the genre is doing really well right now. It's kind of seeing a little bit of a revival, uh, bloodstained, the I can't remember what they called it. Curse of Moon. And Curse, Curse of the of Moon. The night. Yeah, that one I or think. whatever it was. Curse Symphony of Symphony of the Night is the one that's going to be 3D. 
But the the sprite based one that they just did sold two. really well. Yeah, it's, uh, it's and, to be and it reviewed really well. People like that game. I think that the genre is just in a real hot spot right now, and I don't. I think that. Chasm, I don't know about. Chasm's been in development for so long. It does have the boon of being on the Vita, and it has the Vita community behind it just supporting it because it's supporting the Vita on top of being a genre that people tend to like. I think it's got that going for it. Dead Cells not being on there probably means that Chasm will have some success because of that. Also, it being cross-play is a nice touch. You can play on both. Um, Dead Cells has been doing really well. This Gambit looks to be doing real well, and it has a it has its own benefit of standing itself away from Dead Cells because of the fact that it does have a more traditional campaign that you're moving through uh, and a more traditional like going back and forth boss structure. Uh, there still is some play with death there, but not necessarily a roguelike style. Um, and then Guacamelee is going to be more of a traditional, just move back and through, get new moves that let you go through the the levels at different ways and get to parts that you previously couldn't reach. I think that the the genre is just doing amazingly right now. Um, so oh, I hate websites like that. <laughs> anyway, uh, so that was the third one from Twitter. That was just a, an add-on because I told him to go ahead and do it. So that was our fourth one that we decided to throw in there. And I don't know why I keep clicking home on Facebook, but I'm going to go back and find this real quick. Give me just a second. Uh, we have one on Facebook from Mr. Corey. And it says, once I get back down to it, um, here we are. Yeah, I said here we are. Facebook. Is it that far back? Is no, fa- that Facebook does that dumb load thing where it half loads something else and then comes back. Oh. Anyway, Corey's question is, ooh, he says, oh, question day, and I've got a good one. Brett and Saul, what is one game or console that you either got rid of, lost, or sold that you wish you would never have? Um, also, and this is like a two-part question, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it works. Uh, also, what is one thing in gaming that you missed out on that you wouldn't have, i.e. a console you never got to play or an event that was centered around a certain game or system that you couldn't go to? Um, I think that this somewhat comes from the people talking about, we've been talking about in the Discord about the fact that a lot of people are mad that uh, some, of, some games that have already been announced aren't coming to Switch and they're staying around on uh, the 3DS instead. And, you know, the argument from Corey, and I do understand the argument, uh, is... Why get like all the people who got rid of their 3DS to get a Switch? Why get rid of a console? Never do that. There's a number of reasons. There's a lot of reasons. It comes down to whether you really think you're going to play it enough to justify having it laying around when it's worth potentially eighty dollars or financial whatever it is. You may need that extra money to be able to buy it. Yep, you may need it to get the Switch in the first place, and you feel like you'd rather stick with the new stuff than keep playing the old stuff. And then, of course, the risk keeping the 3DS. No one expected there to be this many games that were coming out throughout the Switch's lifetime that were still only on 3DS. The fact that Luigi's Mansion is going to be a 3DS exclusive. The fact that Samus Returns was a 3DS exclusive. The fact that uh, this now these are and I'm specifically saying from a Nintendo standpoint right the, the conversation in the discord started because of a Persona game or, or a Shin Megami Tensei game actually is what it was no it's Persona 2 it was Persona okay yeah. anyway Persona so, Q2 I think is what they're called anyway so that game is not coming to Switch well that's not necessarily up to Nintendo but I do think it's odd that Nintendo have not been just doing the cross generational thing yeah. uh, Persona Q2 to do it for the sake of having it on both so that you keep the 3DS people happy because they are the people that have kept you afloat for years now. Um, but also have the Switch people have the ability to play it. But yeah, Corey, I think it's interesting you say that, but I will say this. I do always have consoles that I wish I wouldn't have got uh, or things that happened to. Uh, one of those examples is that when we were kids, we had the Sega... Uh, 
the Sega Genesis that would hook into the Saturn. So the way it was set up is it was a Sega Genesis that had a side port that you could take this thing off, and the Sega Saturn that you could buy had a top port that went up, and you could slot the Sega Genesis into the top of it, and you made like a dual console, and it was awesome. I mean, in terms of it being one of the most interesting things I've seen, I think Sega did a lot of that. The fact that you could slot other Sonic games into the Sonic and Knuckles cartridge was interesting to me. Uh, I love that idea. What ended up happening is that at the time off, my brother was real crazy on drugs and living on his own. He managed to get a hold of it from our house, uh, from my grandfather's house, where we always kind of just kept it. Took it to his house. Something was messing. Uh, something was shaking around in the in the Saturn, but it still fully worked. And he took the whole thing apart, lost all the parts, and couldn't get it put back together. So we just don't have it anymore. Uh, and it was just. It was more about a cool thing. I still have a Genesis, but it's not that one. Um, it's just the 8-bit Genesis or whatever it was instead of the 16-bit or 32, whichever it was that was on the uh, Saturn top on. I thought that was cool. And as far as um, – well, go ahead, Saul. What, what do you think on this one? Uh, well, in terms of consoles, I really – like a 3DS was the one I ever like regretted getting rid of because it's such a good handheld. Um, so really, realistically, only that because we still have our Super Nintendo at Seth's house somewhere. And um, – that's the one that it's like he better not sell that he better give it to me before he does that but uh in terms of games there's been multiple games that i've sold and rebought and sold and rebought that's why i just buy digitally now yeah see i can't save the 3ds in good conscience for myself because it's it's a handheld that had great games it's not a great handheld itself in my opinion i well i'm not i'm not you know projecting that on you but like the vita is a great handheld but I would arguably, that, I would argue that the 3DS is better than the Vita because the amount of quantity of the games that you had that were better. Well, I'm I'm using that's why I say the the way I worded it the way I was is that the Vita is a great handheld on the handheld only thing. This isn't going oh, so into you mean specs. Yeah, so I'm saying like the 3DS is not a good handheld really. It just happened no. to have a lot of good games. Yeah, the it's, it's actually kind of a crappy system. Yeah, in the a screen lot of ways. resolution's garbage, which is crazy on how games well, like Fire were, Emblem Awakening and Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask look so great on it. Yeah, really, and the screens have got bad color representation, definitely on the XL. Uh, they kind of look washed out, and they stretched them so the pixel density is worse because they didn't give it a higher thing. Yep. Which I mean, I get how you're going to do that, but you're just making the screen bigger. But also the fact that they were so raggedy feeling. Definitely the th- the XLs, man. Well, well, the XLs had to have like that weird um, hinge thing because of the way, uh, like they are all molded or something. And like, the well, I'm talking about the fact that you could squeeze it and you go. Oh yeah, that too. Yeah, I hated that. Yeah, so, the, actually, the original 3DS still didn't feel that premium to me, but it was the best 3DS they came out with in terms of general feeling. It yeah. felt solid. Yeah, it was uncomfortable because it was squared off. The The XL was way more comfortable, but it felt weak. So in that sense, I mean, like I think the Vita is a great handheld, but the 3DS does have a lot of great games. You know, I would never trade my time with Rune Factory for very... I don't think I'd trade it for anything, realistically. Uh, great game. Uh, Terraria with Vita. You know, you can tie games into handhelds, but I'm with you. I, I could see that. I don't regret getting rid of my 3DS as much as I love Pokemon and stuff like that because I just don't feel like I had enough reason to keep it around. Like, there's not been one time in the last since I've gotten rid of it that I've been like, oh, I wish I had a 3DS right now. Yeah, it's it's that that is one of the systems for me where it's the opposite. I, I sometimes and I still have. I, that's why I have my 2DS. Is that every now and then I'll get a hankering to play Alpha Sapphire or something, and I have it, and just gonna plug it on in and play it. Well, that's good, and that's I get Corey's uh, on that. His stance is that you know why do it if you ever get a random hankering, you don't gotta go buy or do anything. You already have it. Yeah. Well, hey, speaking of our topic of the show, this is our emulation might come in, come in a little bit of handy dandy. Sure, sir. Um. Anyway, so what's a what's an event? That was focused around a game, or, or I don't really, ca- I don't care about events at all. Like 
now that we have this, like, I'm looking forward to trying to go to PSX this year because I could last year. But, like, other than that, I could care less. I'd rather sit at home and live stream it on my TV. So you wouldn't like to go? See, now, PSX is different than E3, right? E3 used I mean, to be, like, something I'd want to go to, but it's really not aimed at consumers. Because of PSX being more like a con, like, almost like a uh, I'll, PAX. I'll, I'll say it kind of like this, that I don't mean insultingly, but, like, if I wasn't part of the show, I would not go to PSX at all. Like, I just don't care that much, like, to go. Yeah, it's, and you don't have you to You stand go. around waiting, and you stand, like, and you end up getting to play something for, like, 15 to 20 minutes and talk with the desk for a few minutes, but you have to wait four hours to do so, three hours, two hours. It's... It's a lot of like just standing around and wait time for what I've seen. It depends on what you want. I could see that. Me and Blaze avoided all the things that would take time because we didn't want to do it. Yeah, like Horizon. Only... Did y'all say a line Horizon? Four hours yeah, long? we didn't do it. Yeah, and no. I wanted to play it, no. but don't worry. I was like, I'm not going to waste my time. Instead, what did we do? We actually went around and, and found a lot of cool games. That was the first year. That was 2016. That's when you played Chasm, right? That, that's or the Chasm. first time we played Chasm, uh, which was really cool. And then there was uh, we played Celeste that year too. That was the first year we played Celeste. Yeah. Uh, before it came out, so see, we, I, we spent looking, more time having fun. Yeah, I'm looking forward to going as a group to meet people and stuff, but like. As for the substance at the event, I don't really care. Like everything else at, at that event, I can see from the comfort of my home. Which, when it comes to crowded like uh, co- uh, convention centers like this, where it's just I don't like being around lots of people. I get really annoyed because I can of see that. that. And um, it's like going to like Walmart to do grocery shopping. That has to be like twenty minutes or less thing for me because it's just annoying to get in and out. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm normally like that. I mean, I hate going to Walmart. I'll give you that. But PSX is different to me just because. A, I didn't have a problem with people getting in my way or doing anything. People are real cool and nice. It's yeah, actually very interesting. A couple of videos that I saw that I, that I saw of PSX just checking it out while it was going on. It was like, it looks like it's annoying to walk through that because of the amount of people there. The first year You're was bumping into or trying the to first get around. Year, the first year was worse. The last year was actually great. They had everything. They like doubled the size of the show floor. Well, yeah, that's which good made it a way better. And they had things scheduled, so people a lot of the cool things that you'd want to do, you had a chance to schedule. That way, you knew you weren't waiting. You just okay. go when it was that's, your turn. That's pretty cool. That's uh, that's what I like. Now, of course, they ran out of schedule spots too quick because they kind of under predicted how much people would want to do certain things. But they're working on that because that was the first year they did that. It helped. I, and then everything else that we did was just walking around and kind of being like, oh, I think that from what I know you do like, I think you'd actually really enjoy talking to the indie devs like we no, did no, no. See, and that's, seeing those games. That's the thing. is like That's why I would like it. But everything else, but that's not enough to make me want to go or enough to make me feel like, um, what's it called, um, FOMO. Yeah, I don't want to. And, and I'll say I don't have fear of missing out on PSX either, but I do like PSX because it feels like the thing that's most anchored towards me. I would go to a PAX or something like that potentially, nah, but it depends on worse. how much you see. Because I really, the reason I want to go there is to look at games that are very interesting and weird. I don't really need. I know I'm going to play the first party games, so I want to look more at the games. Like if I if I would have been able to play Dead Cells on the show floor. That'd have been awesome. Well, and I talk to them and go, "What made you want to do this?" Like that Immortal Unchained game that I got to sit there and talk to them about. It was interesting to talk to them about. Wasn't that a really bad shooting game? Well, it's it's the Souls like shooter game, and it's not to me. It's not bad. I mean, like don't wrong. The game's not out yet. I don't think. Just did, come, it, did it come yeah. out? I don't. I, don't I can't know. remember. But my point being is, I'm at least interested in trying it because it's an interesting idea. And when the uh, developers were talking about it, it was very interesting. I mean. Uh, it just says 2018, so probably 2019. Yeah, we'll see. Anyway. <laughs> but, what yeah. I mean is that talking to, get to developers like that and even talking to the Super Meat Boy team about the reason that they changed over to a precise, uh, Auto Runner instead of letting you run on your own and what that means and like procedurally generated levels that are different every time. It was See, very interesting. I, I mean, that does sound cool at all, but like, I don't think that like, I just, this sounds mean, but like, if I saw a dev and stuff like that, I'd probably be like, hey, that's the dev. Cool. Let me get a picture. I would not bother. I, like, I feel like I'm bothering them, even though I know that's what they're there for. Oh, yeah. No, because they were all excited that we even cared. And we actually didn't take pictures with them or anything. That You could tell that they were more excited that people wanted to talk to them. 
about what they were making. Because you got to think, it's like uh, talking with somebody about their work. It, it's always more fulfilling when it's someone who you can tell understands your work and is like really cares about it instead of the person who's just like, oh, it's Bruce Willis. Let me take a picture of Bruce Willis and annoy him instead of somebody who's just talking to him like he's a person. Like, I hey, guess I really so. like what you're doing. It's an interesting thing because developers in this climate can be celebrities. Well, and I'm also fairly introverted. Like, Oh, yeah. I I don't feel like I have an off day unless I'm like five hours at home. And like today, since we we got here around 1.30 and then we went to eat and then now we're we're doing this. It's almost – it's 5.15 right now. And um, like I probably won't get home because we got to go do stuff after this. And I'll probably be home until like 8.30. And like this – that's what it's like – like – I have days of where I do not leave the house because I feel like it's only an off day if I get to relax and do exactly what I want to do because I'm that introverted. That's interesting. I mean, I, I'm with you. You know, I don't typically leave the house. Yeah. Like, so, see, I mean, we I, have that I, I prefer in common. That. Okay. Well, um, interesting question, Corey. Thank you, buddy. Yeah, thank you, buddy. Uh, let's see. Time to move into the main topic, and that is going to be jumped off from this piece of information, and this is not the first one to do so, but longtime emulation hotspot Emu Paradise has decided to stop hosting the download of ROMs and ISOs on their site on their sites in response to recent heat from Nintendo on a number of ROM sites. Uh, there have been a couple of smaller ROM sites that have been closing uh, in the past couple weeks. Uh, we've been talking about it on Discord and seeing it. Um, and now that one of the main ones that people use, Emu Paradise, is closing down, what it basically starts to beg the question of is, why is Nintendo doing this to begin with? It's and secondarily, it's secondarily, and then we can go into it because it's a very, very layered argument about a lot of things, of why emulation uh, is important in some senses, why it's bad in some senses, because it's, more, it's less about emulation, more about pirating at certain points, uh, and, and the harm in that. But then lastly, also the ability to emulate games and basically so that you can continue to preserve the legacy of what that game was because a lot of games are hard to get. And if the companies that are behind them do not re-release them, then there's no way to play them outside of emulation. So that's kind of where I want to start steering the argument at because there's a lot of people who do that in particular. And it comes down to a couple of things, right? The moral gray area of emulation is are you stealing from a company and realistically, are you stealing? And the answer only becomes yes when you're pirating games that are actually on sale that you can buy right now, which tends to be most games that that came out throughout the PS3 generation and onward. There are some there's some games that don't quite fit into that for a number of reasons. Well, um, a lot of them. from different licensing things where you still can't find them. But most games that have released on the PS3 uh, and the 360 Gen upward are available still to purchase at least digitally, so that you have a way to go about getting them. The problem with emulation is that the primary use of emulation is playing games from cartridge-based consoles. Uh, Original cartridge, the the thing about that Sega Genesis games, that is older PlayStation 1 games, there's Super Nintendo games. Um, Did you say older PlayStation 1 games? Yeah, those aren't cartridges, I know that, but it's still, they're games that tend to get emulated. Most people emulate PS1 still. I just you threw me off when you when you said cartridge based games. Yeah, I I get you. Uh, But still, those are the games that mostly get, um, so... But that was also the 64 is a cartridge base. It was around the same generation as that because the 64 yeah, and the PlayStation were the same the generation. Same. Yeah, I was going to say that's um, roughly the same just generation. Just one decided to go disc uh, route, uh, which paid off for them. But still, with that being said, the reason that it goes this way is that those older games were never available on any kind of digital storefront, so they're hard to get a hold of. Uh, even when the PS3 made a lot of PlayStation 1 games available digitally, um, not all of them made it there. 
that because that's Sony can't control that. They can control the ones that they have, uh, you know, stance behind. But Activision and everybody else has to do that on their own games. Uh, and then Nintendo has to start doing something to get these games out there too. So you think about how many games there are across those systems, and th- those are there, right? That's not even accounting for the Atari and all the consoles that actually caused the initial. Uh, failing of the game industry that Nintendo ended up bringing back. Those are games that are also very hard to get a hold of. And when you come across them, uh, they're normally very expensive. So you have two things. Are the games even available for you to buy? If you're playing games that you have no other way of getting outside of emulating them. um, For those that don't know, if you buy a used game from GameStop, the developer doesn't see a penny from that. And I I don't know a lot of people that don't know that, that. Well, there are people that think that GameStop pays them. I don't. They don't pay them. Though. Now, don't get me wrong. I, I, I think I, that it takes a little bit of naivety to believe that that's the setup. But no, we we have friends who work in high ranking positions in GameStop. I can tell you right now, that's not how that works. All that money goes to the store. Yeah, and so, I mean, and and I'm not going to say rightfully so, but also I'm not, yeah, not wrongfully well, so. I'm, I'm going to say give like at least like GameStop is the one that paid the person to bring that game in and buy it off of them. So yeah, they deserve the profits. Yeah. Some some will argue that they are um, extreme profits. Well, yeah, you can't complain about GameStop profits if you're going to go do it yourself. So yeah, you know what you get when you're going into GameStop to trade something. In. So it's, I'm assuming you brought that up because in a sense it's stealing. Or, or, or what would you bring that no, up? No, 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 because like everybody, there's I've, I've heard a side of emulators of like, oh, well, I emulate that game when you can go buy it at GameStop and give the developer the money. I'm like, you're an idiot for thinking that. Oh. That's not how that works. Yeah, well, and see, the other thing is, right, so GameStop is not even one of them. It's about like local mom and pa now that, shops. That is one I will say that if you have... If you have like a really cool local game store, always support your local place before you do anything online. If sure. they have it, as if much they as can you facilitate can. your needs. Yeah, but then the other side of that, right, is like, okay, uh, Sarah, uh, you know, and she actually is helping us on some stuff. So thank you for that, Sarah. Yeah, but, thank you. Uh, mentioning her, she's trying to get every Zelda game that's ever been in existence, right? Uh, some of those include the Philips uh, disc thing that came out. I, I, yeah. The, the, uh, anyway, there, there's very particular games that are very hard to get. So if you just wanted to play them so that you could understand what they were like, but you didn't have a way of, A, getting the console to play them on, or B, getting the games to begin with, the games are hundreds of dollars to find and get. Right, and then Nintendo's um, not seeing a single cent of that $100 either. Yeah, right, and you're just getting it from different people. And it also comes down to, can you should you be deprived of getting to experience what that game was like, though just because you can't afford the $400 that someone wants? Boy, that's sick looking. Um well, I mean, even that, though, is that some companies lend themselves better for scalpers, and Nintendo's one of them. They yeah. intentionally short some of their stuff uh, just so scalpers, like, and I don't think, I say intentionally, I think that they are aware they have issues, but they don't correct those issues. Well, but it, but it creates a new, it creates a hype, right? Well, it creates an ongoing situation that doesn't yeah. get resolved. Because when the original NES came out and there was shortage stock, then they should have fixed that before they even launched the Super Nintendo. They should have had enough units available that... Uh, they would meet demand numbers of what NES was, you know, a couple months after sales before it launched, and instead they launched it anyways, and then it became sold out again, just like the NES did. Now and, you're talking about the mini, NES, yeah, the, NES, the minis, just yeah. so you know. Um, and essentially, what you're paying there is for an emulator. Yeah, That's and, well, actually, if I remember right, those aren't actually emulators, right? They're the they're re, like they're the actual innards of those consoles. Absolutely not. Are you positive? I swore that was what it was supposed the to be. The console is this big. Well, yeah, but it's the chip of the console. They don't have because it can't take cartridges. There's no the cartridge reader. The menu you have is what I, I'm 99 percent sure is a, is 
what looks to be like a Raspberry Pi emulator screen. Well, and, and maybe so, but what I guess I mean by that is that what it could still be is that it could be something that has a new interface on there, but then when the games go to run, instead of emulating the hardware you're running it on, is it running on the actual hardware? There's a difference between the two. I don't think so, no. I think it's emulating. Technically, it. you're not emulating if the real hardware goes back there for them to run on. I don't know if that's true or not, but I swore I actually remembered something about the mini consoles having the original chipsets in them. Now, you're um, getting confused with the Xbox One having the Xbox thing? I, no, I, I don't. I, I'm really, I'm, I'm curious as to why I'm thinking that because it does. It's also interesting that there's HDMI out on them, and still, it could still be the same inner hardware. But I'm curious. It, it, okay, so it is an emulation, but it's of two different Super FX processors, uh, as evident by the retro console support for Star Fox its sequel Yoshi's Island, but are not the integration of the hardware that is fascinating. The implementation of it and how Nintendo realized or utilized the extra power alongside the console's native cap. Uh, cap- Capabilities. Capabilities, yeah. So it's using something called a Super FX chip. So it has something that's kind of putting, instead of emulating, it's kind of running, but it's also emulating on top of that to help it run smoothly, is what it sounds like. I guess That so. sounds weird. Uh, but anyway, you're, you're right, though. And then you also can't buy. So, like, let's just say Nintendo's going around to all these sites and they're trying to close them down for different games, right? Some of these games you can't get. On Nintendo saying Nintendo is refusing to do a um, a what do, what do you even call them? Uh, what is Nintendo saying? Um, what do you mean? What do they call it whenever they do their uh, emulated games that you've seen? Virtual console? Oh yeah. Right? I was right, like, so you're not giving me the context. Yeah, Nintendo is not is not doing a virtual console, or have continuously say that they are currently not focused on a virtual console for the Switch. Uh, so it means that none of those games that they've ever put on Virtual Console that they always have to keep re-rolling through with the uh, Wii onto the 3DS and onto the Wii U. Uh, but with that said, when they're not doing that, none of those games are available for you to purchase. So Nintendo's not missing out on money. The publishers aren't missing out on money for you getting these games because there's no way for you to purchase them and use them and play them. Now, think about this. What if the retro mini systems that they did, like the NES and the SNES, came out and they were actually a hub. It came with this many games already on it to justify the price, and then also the ability to connect to the internet and buy other games that have been converted to digital format so that you could play any SNES game on the SNES version. If you're on the NES Mini, you could play any NES game. All you had to do was buy it. Now, you couldn't control that completely because some of the people would just not want to pay the licensing fees to put them on there. Right. I get that. Uh, But for the most part, you'd have a one-stop shop to play all these games and have a way to do it. If you wanted to do play any NES game right now without emulation and ROMs, you would have to A, find an NES, hopefully that one that's in good enough shape for you to run. Then you have to find every game that it is you're wanting to play and hope that you can find it and hope that it's within a budget that you can actually do. That's where it comes into this really interesting area of a moral gray area because these are not games that you can go out and buy on a shelf. You know what I mean? Right. You can't go and buy a brand new physical copy of... Um, Chuck Rock 2, Son of Chuck on the Genesis. You're not going to get that game. And you, the developer probably doesn't even exist. So the developer or the publisher are not missing out on any money because they currently do not have another way for me to purchase it. They And no, don't wrong, I'm not even big on emulation, but I get the reason as to why there's importance to it. Yeah, it is a pure emulation. Judging by a gaming journalist website, that I'll give you two guesses on what they are, but, and it's probably something you hate. Um, uh yeah, it's it's all emulation. There's a matter of fact, you can actually uh, hack the SNES Mini, add more ROMs to it. <laughs> so that's probably one side they're coming from is um, uh, 
that being a market, a potential market. And sure, and if that's what they're going to do, then great. But, right. But they're also currently, because they're not giving us any any info, even hints of that being something yeah. that they're doing, it leads you to believe it's like, well, why are you doing this? Unless it's because of like... If there's going to be a mini 64, I don't know if there will be well, or not. Well, Nintendo but... has always been out of touch with all of its users because they still copyright crap stuff uh, or stuff on YouTube. Well, and they all, yeah, and then they also uh, they shut down on these they, Pokemon they, ROMs that are going on that people are making. It's like you don't realize this makes Pokemon more popular. Not only that, but yeah, it's to it's, an extent they they like people who will say review a Pokemon game, they will get their stuff taken out by copyright law, and it's like that, that, it's like they don't care or know what copyright law is because what they're doing is fair use. And people well, have gone but, they, to, but they still have the ability to, to they say They still no. have the ability. But so that's what I'm saying. It's a yeah. dumb, it's a dumb they, yeah, thing for them to do, in is. my opinion. It is. And I've seen people who go as far as to draw the things. Like, they'll make crude drawings of Pikachu and stuff when they're talking about these games because you can't copyright that. They made that... I mean, you could, technically, using the lightness of a character. But it's more of a gray area to go through all that than it is emulation, in my opinion. Yeah, and that, see, that's a very interesting thing. I don't emulate anymore. Um, if I was to buy... On Etsy, they have uh, backlit uh, Game Boy Advance, uh, Game Boy Advances, and it's like modded systems that come with a little card, a little memory card for it, uh, or SD card reader. And you know, people say that it, I think what legally is true about ROMs is that it is not illegal to download a ROM for a game you currently own. Yes, that's true. So, um, well, technically, but the thing is, you can rip your own ROM of a game you own. Is is the real too, yeah. thing? Is that you create a ROM of something you own? So I think, you have I think you can legally download a ROM that if you own the game. Well, yeah, Somebody correct me why on not? This. You have the game, so yeah, well, it would yeah. it would it would logically hold that you would be able to download a ROM of a game that you already physically own. And all it would be doing is basically saving you the trouble of having to put it in. Because like PS One, right? If your uh, PC can play. Uh, if you have a disk drive in your PC, uh, your PC, you can put a PS1 disk in there. When you download a PS1 emulator, it can play directly off that disk. Or oh, that's cool. And it, or if you own the game but you don't want to have to put a disk in every time, just download a ROM, right? Yeah. The, the, so that's where that is. But I think that there's more to be said about the fact that, in a way, ROMs keep a history of games alive. Oh, no, they do. That are otherwise. And I would say that the argument about that being the most important thing about emulation is that it keeps the history and story of gaming alive for you to experience in real time. Uh, instead of having to solely rely on stories and hearing stuff or watching videos, you can go back and experience what that game was and like try and put yourself in the shoes of someone who booted up Sonic for the first time. And now Sonic's probably not a great example. You can get Sonic on PlayStation 4. You can buy the Sega collection. I mean, yeah, you can get like on your that. phone at this point. Yeah, but there's different games. But I'm just trying to use a, I think, I think a broad like stroke example. Minish Cap would be a better example. Because Minish Cap, you can't really download anywhere else. It was uh, on 3DS for a while, but I think it was only that part was of the, the Ambassador program. That was program. the Ambassador program. That so, only the true. Ambassador. Let's just say a game, right? So a game that you can't get anywhere else, uh, whatever it be. Any Game Boy Advance game. Yeah. Like pretty much any, like, well, I'll say that, any first party Game Boy Advance Kirby's game. Kirby's Dark Mirror or whatever it was called. It's not I, Dark I, Mirror. I, I don't, yeah, I was going to say that. Nightmare like a, Land. A Nightmare Dreamland, whatever. A, Kirby's Dreamland is one. Dreamland? Yeah, I don't remember what the Game Boy Advance Kirby's were called. Yeah, because Dreamland was the one that introduced Meta Knight, right? If I remember right, no, that was Super Nintendo and Kirby. Wow, then maybe I'm thinking of the wrong thing. Yeah, I, I can't remember what was, it was Meta Knight the enemy in Dreamland. Who knows? I mean, he's I'm, been... I'm, I'm not a huge Kirby fan. He's not the enemy in every Kirby game, though, is he? Uh, he's one of them, and then you have uh, King DDD, King DDD, like yeah, and then you have um, a couple like newer ones that I haven't played. I didn't know if they rotate but, them out, but... but yeah, like if you like, let's say you cannot go by it right now anywhere near us within probably I would I would even go as far as to say 5,000 miles around us that you can go and buy a new Game Boy Advance game 
a new Nintendo 64 game or a brand new in package sealed PS1 game. Well, no, those are sealed. Even then, you're, whatever profits they make, they would have made from it. Whoever's selling you is the one seeing that. Nintendo's not making it. Now well, they made profit off the original sale. Yeah, guess, yeah, because but, you're buying these from this point at Mom and Pop Shop, which I'll tell you right now, and I said it earlier. Are individual sellers. Yeah, if you have like a, a, a gaming shop that is local to you and you like them, I would support them all the way. You know, I would I would never tell you to emulate something if you have the ability to go over there and buy it. The prices are one thing too, um, but like try to support out local businesses that you can. Yeah, but, but sometimes they don't who, have it. Well, I mean, for people like let's say like if I was to buy one of those Game Boy Advance um, things uh, that you were just talking about, yeah, it yep. would be like it would be technically illegal for me to download any of these ROMs because I do not own any of the games. Yeah, but you cannot buy any of these games. You can't go buy a brand new Pokemon Emerald for say yeah. example. And, um, well, and what's the difference, again, like like you say, so what's the difference for me going, so even if I did, right, let's just say I download uh, Pokemon Emerald, because Emerald's not available on any other system right now, right? Yeah, it's let's not just available. Say specific, it's yeah, you, just could say that, you could say that Alpha, Sapphire, and whatnot are close enough to it, but, so let's go a little crazier, right? Let's just go with, again, use a random game. Let's go with Boogerman. You can't buy Boogerman anywhere, right? I can't go buy it brand new. Uh, let's say I wanted to download a ROM of it, right? Well, so it's suddenly legal, and this is where we probably need to know, but it's suddenly legal for me to download the ROM if I just go buy it used from somebody else first. They still didn't see any profit from that or any money from that, but if, as long as I own the physical cartridge, it doesn't matter? Yeah, that's that's a grayer area. What, what, but, but what an odd, illogical stance on it, right? Now, on new games that you can still buy, I get it, because that's why I say there's a very big difference between just emulating and pirating. Uh, emulating is... I, I tend to want to use to like PS2 and back is kind of where I like to keep it. And now I know that emulating truly does just mean emulating the hardware of any system. There are people that emulate PS3 right now. Uh, you can play Demon Souls on PC on an emulated PC. You can play Breath of the Wild uh, emulated on Wii, uh, emulated from Wii U on PC. Um, these are things you can do. But that's veering into territory of pretty much that's 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 piracy. Dark, yeah. I'll say that's the that's darker version get, of yeah, the legal spectrum. It's really not a moral or legal gray area. Well, really, I'm not going to say legal gray area. It's more of a moral dark area, and but it's also illegal to a full extent. Now, the reason that I say emulation is morally a gray area is because there's no immediate victim. Now, I people talk about all the time, well, victimless crime, victimless crime, but realistically, there is no way for me to honestly go and get this in a way that benefits the people that made the game. So, I mean, right. no matter what, Cause what you someone do- else who had nothing to do with the original creation of that game uh, is going to be making the money off of this because they own it and they've just happened to either buy it at a point when it was low or own it since it came out. That's not the same. So, I mean, no, no matter what I do, I'm not giving. And now, again, that's kind of covered over that first sale act. What's the difference? Well, that's why I say it's morally gray. Right. There's no it's, real answer and, and over where, it being wrong unless right. it's that you're downloading games that you can go get. Yeah, that's and that's all I want to tell you is that, Ed, is to tell everybody, like, based off the conversations we have on the show, don't go out and do anything that you are unsure of its legality of it. Because, well, yeah, you make those decisions on your own. Yeah, yeah. Don't don't let us try to influence you on ROMs and emulations. This is something that we're talking about, so then you can take your own uh, your own opinion on it, and then choose and decide if it lines with ours or if it doesn't. Or you know, let us know in the the comments because it is certainly an interesting topic to keep talking about. Um, well, I'm saying like and, and like okay, a big market we haven't talked about. Let's be you know, kind of closing out on it. But uh, like you said, go into the comments. But I imagine and just let us know if you play 
one of the highest usage of uh, of emulation right now is on cell phones. Do you emulate on your cell phone? If so, what games do you play? Are they games that are hard to find? Or are they games that you can go get? And I think that's where the difference has to stand. If The Legend of Zelda, the very first one, was available for me to buy right now on the Switch, the 3DS, or the Wii U, which are all consoles that you can buy pretty easily and that you can get and go buy the game officially in a way that Nintendo makes profit. And I don't know if it is one, uh, but... If I if I downloaded that, knowledge. there's a real there, there's a real reason to go. Well, that's kind of messed up because I can go get this and I can do this. I, there's an official way for right. me. There's an official avenue for me to get the people who deserve this money. This money. Uh, now that's one thing. Now if you're playing some weird obscure stuff that you just played as a kid that there's no other way for you to get, that's where I stand on. You know, I'm not here to judge anyway. And it's if ironic. You do your thing. You do your thing. But there's some point where it doesn't matter. It's ironic that. Um, we, we, we've talked about Nintendo a lot this episode just because they're the main ones that are, um, uh, of course, the most aggressors when it comes to stuff like this. And then the whole reason that Emu Paradise is doing what it's doing. Um, but it is funny because other than like that modern Game Boy Advance that Sony has actually had the best system to use as an emulation. And it's, it's going back to the Vita, it's the excuse of using this kind of memory card to prevent hacking and stuff just seems to be null now. That the fact well, it that, is null now, but it took a long time. Yeah, and I'll give him that. It took, the it, PSP was already modded well ahead of the Vita, you, you, and easily so. Do you think though that the time it took to actually finally hack it? Do you think that the time they killed it because of that, that because of the the memory card prices? Do you think that was worth it? Oh no. So okay. no, it wasn't. I saw somebody on Reddit say it was, and I was just like, I don't know what you mean. Like I don't. <sighs> I don't. I don't understand how you mixed can, bag because it probably it, would have been more worth it to Sony because part of the reason that the PSP sold eighty million units is because Vita. people. I, I know. I know. Uh, okay, I'm, okay. I'm comparing. Yeah. Part of the reason that the PSP sold eighty million hardware units is because people were buying them to hack them and use them as. A, so Sony saw some real benefit from yeah, that. Yeah, the Pandora's battery was like what fifty dollars to do if you didn't have a battery. It would cost I mean, you I just to I, replace a battery. I, I never bought it, but I always just I'm, at the time I made my own Pandora battery. It wasn't yeah. that crazy hard to do. It was weird, but it wasn't hard to do. Yeah, um, and I mean, even then, it's it's. But yeah, no people people found ways, and and just so you know, a lot of people bought them because of that. And don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to minimize the PSP. A lot of people bought the PSP because of great games. Oh no, yeah, dude, I mean, Daxter, the, it, it has, Crisis Core, yeah, the Grand Theft Auto Dang, series that was I, on. I it. should have answered that Daxter was my, one of my favorite. Daxter's a good too. one too. So, that, but that's what I mean is that yeah. Th- Ultimately, no, it wasn't worth it because the fact that the memory cards were as high as they were because of the way they chose to do it, which, don't get me wrong, the PSP was also proprietary memory, I will say but that, it was useful on more than one Sony device. I was going to say, yeah. The, and they let SanDisk make a generic. The, uh, the um, What were they called in the Memory the Stick Pro Duo. No, no, no. That's the PSP. I'm talking about the Vita. Oh, um, honestly, I don't even know. I think they were just called uh, memory stick. I okay, well, they had a, a that, that had no other use than a Vita. Yeah. Like, and then the, the memory stick Pro Duos, you found cameras with those. You found MP3 players that used It was those. all Sony, but all still. Sony, like, all the Sony Ericsson phones used those at that time era. Mm-hmm. It was, and then when they switched to the M2, and, which was in the Sony Ericsson, well, what's the crazy, PSP Go had Do you that remember one. the prices for the stick duos? They yeah, weren't. They weren't awful. They weren't, yeah. They weren't as good I as think, SD cards, but they weren't I'm bad. trying to remember. The 512 megabyte at the time, which was standard for the PSP, um, if that's the size I'm thinking of, right? 512 megabyte? The PSP came with a, I want to say it was 256 megabyte card. Well, I'm talking about the, the step up. Oh, the standard you step could get up. higher. You could get up yeah. to a, a four gig card was possible on the PSP. Right, but a, a 512 megabyte card was only, I think, $30. I don't and think that's... it was that high. I think it was like no, it was not at launch maybe at Best Buy. That's where at I got launch. mine. Yeah, yeah because I got mine it, at Best it got Buy. better over years. Um, and I remember I, I had fifty dollars for Christmas money. I'm like, yeah. guess I got my memory card. And coincidentally, 
I think that's how I got Rengoku. I think Rengoku was on sale for 20 bucks or something, and I picked it up too. <laughs> Boy, was that a bad decision. I'm trying real hard to think of where I got that game because it wasn't GameStop. I don't so – I, I, I want to say that was like – Target? <laughs> I didn't go to Target for games as a kid. Yeah, that was – But Babbage's was closed by then, I think. Well, Babbage's didn't sell games here. Uh, but whenever we had a Babbage's, it did. No, they didn't. Yeah, they did. No, they didn't. They were in the same building GameStop was in. They sold games. Babbage- oh, no, 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 never mind. I'm thinking of something else. I'm thinking of um, what's the other one that starts with a B that was in the mall? Babbage's was in the mall. And it was where GameStop is in the mall. And it well, was, no, that's, uh, that's before the name change. I'm thinking of another store, a toy store in the mall that started with a B. It's very similar to Bab- Babbage's, but it's not Babbage's. KB Toys is the only and, thing I know it, about. No, so. it's not KB Toys. I remember that place, though. But they sold – it was on the – it's a, where across the hall for, or whatever from where Starlight is now. It's on that empty side. There's nothing there. It was there. And it was a toy store, but it started with a B. Like Balmers or something like that. It, I don't know. I don't know. That's I say, it, it, do you remember the McDonald's in our mall? Yes. It was at that time. Period. Okay. 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 Yeah, I got gotcha. you. Hey, weird mall. Anyway, this has gone on a little bit longer than I expected it to. Anyway, uh, yeah, let us know your thoughts on emulation and kind of what you think the benefits are. There's probably ones we didn't even cover, but I do think the primary benefit is the ability to keep the history of gaming alive, yeah. including games that you would have no way to access now. Uh, like, you know, we all need to be able to download E.T. for the Atari you know so why that, that game cost so much? You see how god-awful that game was. Probably because of some licensing fee. That was the landfill. Oh, yeah, I knew that. Oh, okay. That's that's why that game is so expensive. Cause it's because they all of, went to the landfill. Yeah, most of them are in the landfill, Yeah, which is insanity. So. But, yeah, let us know what you think uh, in terms of us. You heard what we thought, you know, kind of gray, the whole, whole board, pros and cons to everything. But let us know. Do you or have you ever emulated? What would you think? What would you emulate? Did you do it on your phone? Yeah, we'll the phone s- thing is interesting because I guarantee you, Richard, of all people, no, Richard definitely does. Yeah, because he was doing uh, minute. No, what was it? It was uh, Link Between Worlds, wasn't it? You can't emulate that. I would be shocked if you could emulate that already. That's a 3DS game. Oh, uh, uh, not Link Between Worlds. My bad. A Link to the Past. Link to the Past. Yes, yeah. thank you. Um, Man, yeah. If you could, if you could emulate that. You'd well, be doing a Link well. to the Past is what people say is the easiest Zelda game to emulate because there's so many versions of it, mm-hmm. like the Game Boy Advance version and then the Super Nintendo version. Sure, I got but you. Thank you guys for tuning in, and as always, we'll see you guys for episode seventy-three. Here are our Patreon members that we love so much. Thank you, guys. Thanks, guys.